Hi everyone, uh, welcome to the ChromaCast. I'm your host, Chroma Cosmos, and I'm here with my good uh, new friend, Mizu919. It's alright if I call you Mizu. Yeah, that's good. Nice to meet you, man. Uh, nice to be on the podcast. I met, I met this guy the other day, but it's pretty fun to be here. Pretty fun opportunity. I've never been able to do something like this. So. Heck yeah. I, 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 You know, friends of friends, you know, I meet and I feel like hey they have a discipline or they know something that i don't know so anytime i meet someone new it's kind of like i get curious i think you really stood out to me because you have a lot of disciplines in the background you're like into art um music and recently yeah. <laughs> um virtual reality you, you seem uh-huh. to like kind of been my new thing yeah how long have you uh how long have you been in vr so i got my index last summer and i played a lot like when i was working and had time to play at night um so i played for like a, a little bit like last summer i played for like a few months and then i went back to school and really wasn't playing because i was just too busy and there was no like good way to set it up in my dorm but then as this summer started again i started like getting on every night meeting new people and stuff and yeah so that's leading to this so i'd say like i've had known about vr for around like a year but i haven't really like played it like consistently probably for around like five months like adding up the times i've been just like playing like getting on every night or every other night stuff like that for sure for sure what would you say is like your highlight uh, experience whenever you hop on to hop on to vr like my most memorable experience or like the experience that kind of keeps you like coming back like music or Um, people i think there's like so many reasons why i love this game but i think the biggest thing is just the creativity aspect of just like the fact that anyone can make a world or anyone can make an avatar you know and that the most of the game is just created by its players and just because of that it attracts so many like other people who are into like world building or into music or into just any the list could go on for all the creative interests uh, that people are like into in this game so i think I, what keeps me around is i keep just running into people who just have really cool interests um and have like and enjoy talking about music or world building and stuff and i just find people like I, that i enjoy talking to just talking about that stuff you know it's just really cool to have like a whole digital world where you can meet and discuss like creative topics and like literally be in a world that's created by people with creative topics or into like 3d modeling and coding and game design it's just pretty much the pure creativity of this game is why i just love it honestly i agree i don't know if that made much sense but <laughs> no it does absolutely it's like a, a place uh it's a platform um, for creative people, by creative people, you're a bit of a creator yourself. Yeah. You mentioned that you um, dabble in a little bit of art. Uh, tell me more about that. Your art career, your art beginnings. I mean, I wouldn't, call my, <laughs> I wouldn't call myself like an artist or anything. I'm just kind of a guy who just you know does what I got to do in life and just have a bunch of just random things I get into. But yeah, I got into drawing probably like my junior year of high school i was just kind of like sitting around during my free periods not doing anything and i was just like hey like i thought i think learning to draw could be a good way to fill that time so i just kind of started looking up like sketch videos on youtube and then i just 
kind of went all in. I got into an art class my next semester. I started drawing a lot more, and my drawing teacher took a liking to me. And then from there, I got, like, an iPad, and then I started doing a lot of digital art. And I kind of did that all throughout, like, my freshman year of college. Not, like, anything, like, where I was, like, dedicated to, like, creating something. But I just enjoyed, like, you know, drawing, you know, anime or drawing landscapes and stuff like that. Heck and I would yeah. just kind of upload on my, like, account. But I never wanted to, like, take credit 100% for my stuff because I was still just, like, looking at reference and drawing what I'm seeing, you know? So, I like, I don't really feel like I'm an artist. I haven't really created my own, like, style or created my own, like, you know, for drawing characters and landscapes and all that. It was just me just more, like, experimenting and just drawing random things that I just thought was fun. But I haven't really been doing that very much. I kind of got bored of it around a year ago. Um, and I'm starting to get back into it a little bit. I just draw just for fun randomly but drawing kind of got like repetitive and i just had the personality where i have to like circle to different interests so if i get like too bored of this one thing i'll have like this thing i go over to so when i got bored of drawing after two years i was like hey i want to start learning how to make music so i started like just watching youtube videos on making you know different edm genres uh how to use like fl studio how to use like different synthesizers like what goes into making certain genres and i've been kind of been doing that for off and on for the past like year and a half in between school and work and all that but i guess right now i haven't been making much music i've just been kind of like really into vr and really busy with work but i still am kind of just doing it like occasionally when i go back to school i have tons of friends and they like to make music and so we basically just get all together in like a room and then we'll start like making beats with each other and then it's just like a fun thing to do like you know once or twice a week make it kind of like a social you know thing too also just making something creative it's just really fun you know, that is one way to go about things, like um, creating stuff, beginning as a, as like social gatherings, but like from these social gatherings, like you kind of create art from that. I never th approached uh, exactly, yeah, art yeah. that way. Yeah, because a lot of artists will tell you, it's like sometimes it just gets really boring because you're like by yourself for hours on end and kind of hard to stay focused sometimes when you're having to just be dialed in in silence for a long time you know yeah and also you have to understand that like humans are like social creatures we're supposed to have like people around us so i've like discovered personally that like i like drawing where i'm like talking with other people and drawing at the same time or i like being in a room with other people as we work on a track together because it adds that like social aspect it just makes it so much more fun and a lot more like relaxing you know now there is like still some like fun to like be making stuff on your own of course but like sometimes it's fun just to be making stuff with other people around you as well you know yes you remind me or you make me think about the different i didn't think about it until now like a difference of an artist between making works by themselves compared to making work with other people mm-hmm I, I'm the kind of person that um <laughs> unless um unless it's like a like a team effort or unless it's something that like ah maybe it's an area that I don't know that much information in where I'll kind of need some help then I'll be like yeah I, I kind of want to join some it um yeah no, have someone join in on this versus something where it's kind of like you know I'm kind of married to this idea married to this thought only then I would kind of want to work on something um by myself i guess every artist yeah, is different now exactly. that i think about it but you seem to be well versed in They're both like areas go ahead i think you're yeah i mean thing. i'm 
I want to say like I'm like a creative like artist guy. I just have like different things that involve like you know like creativity that I like doing just for fun on the side. It's not like my full time what I want to do for the rest of my life. Your but primary I do just source like talking of about it and enjoying it. Yeah, exactly. And I just don't think I could like make music and draw for the rest of my life. That's just not something I'd want to do for the rest of my life. It's just something I like having there as like a hobby or like a fun thing to do with friends, stuff like that, you know. And that's just how it fits in my life towards like mentally healthy for me and so i won't be like wrapping up my identity with like my art because that's really stressful because you feel like you have to produce but sometimes art is like you're not producing you go years without making anything good because you're trying to figure something out and it just causes so many mental problems because you're like well people expect me to do this i have to do this but the reality is you should just look at it as like something fun to do and just not like freak out if it's not going your way just be like all right like it's not hitting right now let's go do my job and look at it like another day you know let me ask you this and it's it's funny of all places to find inspiration from um do you um when you when you're clocked in or wherever job you are do you get um like inspiration like kind of like fly by like you're doing your job and then like hey i have an idea for a song or a drawing or like kind of hit you in the middle of the time yeah i mean i feel like just doing anything in life even if it's not related to art is just kind of like inspiration it's just adding it to like this database where you can pull and create stuff from you know new experiences you've had like you know big events that happened or you know like trying new things that's all like what can go into inspiration to create something new so i guess like at work and stuff like i'll just be having an airpod in and like a song will come in on a playlist and it just makes me go like hmm like yeah, that could be cool for, like, a DJ set later for, like, I like the way, like, this bass line was written that could, like, correspond to, like, this other feeling I've been feeling from, like, two days ago. So, yeah, I feel like most of my best creative work just literally comes from just living and doing what the hell I want. And then I just kind of start, like, seeing what matters to me and what I want to make a song of or, like, what I want to draw, like, based on what happens, you know? Absolutely. What genre of music uh, do you make? So I'm a total EDM geek. Like I love oh, electronic yeah. music. Um, I'm not saying I don't like other like genres. It's just that like I don't really listen to other genres. I pretty much just know everything. Like put all my focus on the EDM, so I know pretty much like all these like smaller artists in the EDM world, and I know just kind of like I've gone all in on EDM. That makes sense. So I just but EDM the reason is, is that fun. Like I just. I love EDM. Yeah, it's fun. And and BRC sure, is a yeah, it's my favorite genre. Perfect platform for it. Yes, that's like another thing that really tracked me to VR chat was just the the rave scene, you know, and I think that's like really cool that people are just DJing in VR and you can go watch people play live EDM for free, you know, and I don't have to like go spend money on a ticket to go to a show or whatever. It's just right here in my bedroom, which is really fun for me. I'm I'm with you one hundred percent. Save save the Save the fees from <laughs> traveling. I mean, there's no disrespect to finding, like, real-life uh, festivals, but, like, saving the parking drive, the bathrooms, the expensive food. Yeah. It's like you have it within within the comfort of your home. Yeah, exactly. I will say there is, like, it is fun to go to, like, an actual festival. I mean, I, I do go to actual, like, raves and stuff, but it's just sometimes – it's just nice that I can also go to VR raves and just listen to live music without spending money. But 
I would say like going to a real rave is still it's gonna be like a lot more fun. It's a lot louder. You're like surrounded by all these people, a lot more lights and stuff. But yes, for like that, I still that like going to a rave is gonna cost you like a hundred bucks versus where like a VR one. Like oh, set on Discord, join this world, and I'm there for free. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just I like both. I like both for sure. Have you hosted any um any events? um any rave events oh. as a dj nah because i don't really like, dj like dj dj where i'm like trying to like get gigs and stuff i just kind of like mix music because it's relaxing to me and i enjoy doing it for fun um but eventually if i start like putting together some sets like actual sets that i have like written out like the track list and everything and i get like better equipment i might try like doing a set in vr but that'll probably be like a year year in the future is I gotta get all the proper equipment gotta like get in contact with clubs I need like a proper like controller that can output the sound into VR chat which I don't have right now so it's just I can't do it right now but I think eventually one day it'd be very cool but I'm just kind of enjoying it as just something fun to do right now you know (laughs) I think that's one of the highlight of um for me um being in VR especially VRC is meeting people and watching them grow from like these people that you just join on instances to like hey i bought a i bought a controller is like oh snap you're gonna make some music it's like uh maybe and then a few months down the line you see them like headline a few um clubs and then within a matter of months they 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 start hosting on a regular basis so my pleasure is watching people uh, grow uh, in VRC. Yeah. One of the highlights. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I don't know what the future holds, but I'll just have fun with it. And, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll be hosting a few, like, events in the future. But for now, let's just work on getting proper equipment, getting better at DJing and making sets, you know? Heck, yeah. Have fun with it. Enjoy yeah, the yeah. growth. What mm, controller exactly. did you get, by the way? Oh, for DJing? Yes. So, right now I have a really bad one. It's just uh, one that, like, connects to your iPhone. It's like a $200 Pioneer CDJ200. It's not professional at all. It's just to, like, basically teach you how to learn working the EQs, how to use effects, how to use the looper, and stuff like that. But if you want a professional DJ, you need, like, like, an actual, like, controller with a sound card that can output the sound. So you can route that audio to, like, the speaker system, stuff like that, you know. So, but the one I'm looking at right now is like a Pioneer four deck mixer. I forgot exactly what it's called, but it has like um, four decks on it, and it has like a built-in sound card connects to like Serato, which is on my laptop. That's like around like six hundred or seven hundred dollars. So, it'll be a while before I'll be able to afford that, you know. But when I get it, it'll be pretty fun to just start like putting sets on YouTube if I make them, or finding a way to maybe do it in VR chat if I just connect with the right people and all that. Heck yes. Now you did mention that you have a, you have a, platforms for your music. Oh, just I mean I have like an Instagram where I just like put like work in progress. I'll put like updates just on things going on, raves I go to. Um, and I, there's also like a few of like my older like artwork on there of just like drawing landscapes, stuff like that that I just kind of left up. They're still on there. But um, yeah, I can I can show you that later if you want. I mean, it's not like a huge Instagram account. It's just like my alternative one that I use for 
afraid of interest, you know. It's all good. We're friends. <laughs> don't 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 ever feel like um it's like it has to be the best or the most optimized. I Yeah. I think that that's um that's I I think that's one of the the highlights of here it's like sharing stuff that it's uh stuff that's personal yeah i i guess i come from a background where it's kind of like like come as you are for lack of better words mhm yeah you mentioned that you um well last time we spoke you mentioned that you have a background in engineering or was it uh aquamarine oh uh, marine biology marine biology yes yeah. tell me more about that i mean that's yeah so i guess that's like my core like interest that's like what i'm super passionate been passionate about because i've been passionate about it since i was as long as i can remember four or five years old i just always loved you know sea creatures and aquatic life uh, scuba diving all that kind of stuff just anything that revolves around being in the water with like sea creatures and the only reason i think they're so cool is that i just have a love for that part of the world it's just really beautiful to me so i just pretty much always knew as a kid i wanted to go into marine science so when i got to college i decided let's go for it because i don't know what i want to do i mean i just love you know sea life and stuff i'm gonna try and find a way to make money off doing some sort of scientific work where i'm around you know like uh sea creatures and other aquatic life like all the time um so basically in college i was going to do marine bio at first because my school didn't have a or no do biology because my school didn't have a marine biology major but after a year of doing that i kind of realized that like most of the people in the biology major were just people going into pre-med and there was like a lot of classes that were just like geared for pre-med that i didn't want to take because i was gonna go i want to do marine biology so I changed my major to environmental science because in college I started to realize that I love the ocean so much and hopefully maybe one day I'll do like marine biology but for a little bit at least I want to um, do environmental science and then hopefully get a career into which I'm like helping conserve the ocean you know what I mean heck yeah like doing something like so that's why I switched to environmental science to take like all the classes, you know, involving like environmental regulations, resource management and stuff. Um, and I'll probably try and use that degree to get a job like in fisheries management or in water management. And if I really enjoy doing that, I might just keep doing that, you know, like just doing a job that pays pretty good. I support myself and it's just taken care of, you know, the ocean, which I've just loved ever since I was a kid, just, you know, scuba diving, going to aquariums anything because i just love looking at all these different creatures <laughs> i'm getting but, kind of <laughs> yeah, I'm, overwhelmed by this it's kind of like like we're like you're kind of helping the world back by um help, helping out the ocean i think that's really cool very wholesome objective yeah yeah thank you I guess, of course I guess my mindset went into that went into like wanting to like do a job where i feel like i'm at least like giving back but i also have to like support myself because you know it's you have to be able to pay the bills and things like that but i guess it was like the fact that i was like kind of born into like a wealthier family i mean not like super wealthy but like definitely like more fortunate than 
majority of the people in America, and I realized that from a young age. Like, you know, my parents made me very aware of it. It was just, I guess, kind of like the idea that went in my head was, well, I was given so much, so, like, it'd be shitty if I didn't try and give something back. So I think that's really what got me also to want to start doing conservation and stuff when I got to college. Is there any sea animal that stands out that you're a big to fan me, of? That I think are just beautiful? Yes. Ooh, it's hard. It's like, because I just think so many are cool. Uh, or your, your top five. I guess. I don't know if that helps. Mm, top five. Top five. Leopard sharks. I think those are one of my favorite animals. I just think they're really pretty. Um, and I like the way they swim. They're just very, like, mesmerizing. They go through the water. How, um, what's distinct like about the the, the leopard coast. shark? How can you tell a leopard shark um, is a leopard they're shark? They're usually so well. First off, like where they're located, like there's a certain species that are going to be in certain areas. Leopard sharks are going to be like on the west coast of the United States, from like San Diego all the way up to like you know, British Columbia and stuff. You'll find them in sand beds or on out the borders of the kelp forest, stuff like that. You know. And they're smaller sharks. They don't get bigger than like about four to five feet long. Five is like like biggest they'll get. And they have these like black bands across their body, and their skin is like a solid um, ash gray kind of color. Okay. They're very like beautifully patterned and stuff, and they're very like streamlined shape, but also kind of small. And I just I don't know. I just think they're really cool. I just like the way they look. <laughs> Would you say they're kind of? Well, this is a silly question. You pr- you could probably answer it. Are sharks like kind of like misunderstood animals? Like, do you? Yeah, thi- I'd say they a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't um, want to I mean, sound like a. You know, I don't want to Disneyfy animals no, because I understand that like animals still no. kind of like hunt and like they're predators. They still eat meat. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, like what I always say about sharks is sharks are still like predators. You know, they're still like can be aggressive and shark attacks do happen. But they're just not as common as people think they are. They rarely happen. And also with uh, sharks that like a, um, that I don't really like, like in the media or like in the public eye, they usually like kind of demonized as like an evil kind of like thing lurking in the water, you know. That's really not the reality. It, like, usually the times when shark attacks happen, they happen because you look like something else, you know, or something like that. But shark attacks are, like, very rare, and the reason they get reported on is because they're very rare and people find them interesting, and there's kind of a cultural, like, idea of that sharks are kind of dangerous and scary, you know, because there, ha- there are, sh- like, reports of shark attacks. But it's just kind of blown out of proportion, like, how aggressive and how dangerous they are. For the most part, sharks are pretty, like, docile, especially when you're underwater with them. Like, scuba diving with sharks, I kind of always say they're like cats. Like, they just kind of, like, come in, <laughs> check you out, and then they leave, like, really fast. They don't want to fuck with you. No, I'm serious, yeah. Oh, wow. A lot of times, sharks will just be really, like, skittish underwater, and they see some bubbling, you know, blurry shape, the scuba diver in the water, and they don't know what it is. They want to get out of there because <laughs> they're scared, you know. I never thought of it that way. Would you would you say they are the yeah. the cats of the ocean? Because there there are small cats and there are like there are like big cats like cats that I would never want kind to be of. in the cage. I didn't think about that until now. They kind of are like cats in the sense they like kind of travel like alone. They don't really travel like in groups or whatever. Kind of like cats, big cats in real life. 
and they're also like relaxed most of the time and they spend a lot of their time like resting and stuff but when they need to like attack when they need to defend themselves they can and they will and they're very effective at it you know so i say in the sense like that they're kind of related to big cats yeah sharks are so cool i i love watching um yeah i like watching videos of like divers um pet these sharks again i don't i don't want to i think we have this um way of disnifying things i was like oh they're not as bad as we make them out to be but still they're um sharks are pretty cool sharks are a bop you mm-hmm. mentioned uh scuba diving. Uh, can't speak today scuba diving have you scuba dived before <laughs> yeah do you come from a scuba diving background yeah i've been di- i do not um I just always wanted to be a scuba diver since I was a little kid. So I got my certification when I was in sixth grade. And I just had the privilege, like, when we go, like, out of town and stuff, to be able to, like, be in places where I, I can scuba dive, you know? So I've been able to, like, see a lot of cool locations over my lifetime, you know, growing up. And I'm so grateful that I go to a, I go to school in California now, which is only an hour away from Monterey, Red, Monterey Bay, California, which has great diving. So that'll be really fun to get back up there and go scuba diving a bit next year, you know, between classes. <laughs> Wow, Monterey, uh, California. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you been there before? No, I haven't. But you, you make me want. This does segue into an interesting uh topic. Say someone decided, you know, yeah. One thing that I keep seeing videos of, um, I keep seeing people with videos diving, and they wake up one day and they're like, I want to do that. I want to dive or learn how to learn how to mm-hmm. dive what are some things that um what are the steps that someone should take to get in the water some things they should probably be aware of what would be the steps to just start to start diving like how do you take to get like where do you start to get certified and just become a scuba diver do you need to be certified yeah yeah like you um places that offer scuba diving they won't take you out unless you have like your certification card Okay. Showing that like you've done the classes, you've done the book work to show that you, to show that you know how to dive like safely, because it'd be like a safety hazard or like a liability issue. Like you know, just couldn't take out people who aren't certified. This is good to know. Okay. Mm-hmm. But getting certified, like anyone can do it, like in two weekends. It just takes a bit of elbow grease on your part, just like doing the book work and showing up to the classes and the for the pool and then showing up to like the lake to do your final dives to get certified but it's not like a like a very hard thing like anyone can get through it and learn to dive and then once you have that card you're certified for life and if you ever go somewhere where they're offering scuba diving just be like hey here's my card they'll be like okay we have charters going out there like tomorrow or whatever and they'll just put you on you can go out like you know and it lasts for the rest of your life oh that's cool it's not something that you have to renew once once a year. It's like you can't dive. You you gotta. Yeah, no. Your license expired. <laughs> this is expired. No, it's not like that. Yeah, you just you get certified and you're certified for life. Like that's how it works. Okay, and this is. Do you know if um, it's valid for all the states or? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's valid around the world. Like it's kind oh. of like a global organization. It's called the. Well, it's different like organizations that you can get certified through, but the most, the biggest one that's like very worldwide that almost like every dive operator goes through is like called PADI, Professional Association of Diving Instructors. 
and it's basically just a giant global organization that makes classes that like to like certify people in different areas of diving but most like dive centers and stuff around the world will use the patty certifications and that, that sense wow in your experience diving um what what have you seen um in your experiences in your ventures oh man i've seen a lot of cool stuff because i've been to a bunch of different places but I'll bet. the coolest thing the coolest like biggest like animal that i've ever gotten to dive with were great white sharks that was pretty no wow. yeah i did that in eighth grade believe it or not <laughs> oh wow tell me more about that because yeah. i've I think I've only been with it like I've had a snorkel like <laughs> um, when I was a kid and like seeing a few fish was is the extent of my undersea advent underseas adventures. So <laughs> you got to tell me how that. And that's where I started, you know, and then I was lucky I got to just do more and more and more, you know, during the day. But yeah, how I got into the shark diving really kind of funny. It was honestly just like a random opportunity when I was in eighth grade. My dad was like in this corporate group or something and they wanted to do like this shark diving trip out to guadalupe mexico this tiny ass island off the west coast of mexico like pretty much in the middle of nowhere and no one lives on that island it's just like a rock like in the middle of the pacific ocean but it's a hot spot for great whites there's just tons of great whites that are in the area always there and the water is also like crystal clear which makes it a really good place to see them so <laughs> basically we get on a boat in san diego and we spend like about a whole day and night getting out to the island you know and then we living on the boat for about a week just at this completely remote island living on the boat and then they'd have like the cages out there and then you get in them and then just scuba dive and see all the great whites like circling the boat or circling the, the bait they throw out there and stuff oh my god so i don't know about great whites whenever i think of great whites i think of like one shark but the the way you make it sound like great whites are kind of like social uh creatures no um they they do travel like more solitary they are like solitary creatures so they travel by themselves mostly but it's the reason they would get like multiple around the boat is because when we were diving the people like on the boat would throw chum oh. out there and that would just attract like a bunch of sharks in the area to come and check it out so that's why you'd see like multiple sharks like circling the boat because they're interested in the, the the fish they have that's like smelling up the water oh wow oh, man. so it's just kind of like a magnet it just draws a bunch of sharks to the boats and allows like the sharks to come in so you can just you know get multiple coming in and you can just like watch them and stuff soon you see starting the fin the fins um poke from the water it's like here they come <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was a crazy first day. I remember, like, waking up, having breakfast, and it was the first day of diving, and I go outside, like, on the deck where they just threw, like, the, the tuna they used for, like, chum into the water. And then all of a sudden, I see, like, this just fin, like, hit the water, and I'm like, holy shit, this is real. Like, we're looking at great white sharks, you know, something I've looked on my computer screen since I was a kid, like, since, like, I was, like, six years old. Now it's getting to see him, like, in real life. I was, I was pretty fucking excited. I was like, holy shit, I can't wait to get in the water and see him, you know. What an experience! That's what other sea creatures have you have you come across? Um, I've seen 
you know, just like sea turtles and stuff. Um, I've seen reef sharks. Uh, I think some other cool ones. Oh, one something I really cool I saw and I was very lucky to see because they're very rare. Uh, was an ocean sunfish. If you heard of those, also known as the mola mola. It's you know the, those are those are the ones with uh that just look like a head with a fin above their head and above and, and below their body, right? They just look like yeah, a fish. Yeah, kind of like a. Those are rare to like find. A round circle with two like elongated fins. Yeah. Definitely one of the more interesting shaped creatures, sea creatures. There. When you think about it, there are a mm, lot of sea sure. creatures that are just very, very oddly shaped. Um, I remember watching oh, a video. Yeah. Especially when you get into the. Go ahead. I th- I think I think you're no. I think you're just segueing into the <laughs> to the perfect. Um, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Undersea I mean, deep yeah. undersea creatures are something else. <laughs> they don't even look like they. They are. They're, I mean, there's such bizarre like shapes and adaptations that like animals have developed for that environment and it's just very and just creates a lot of weird looking ass fish i think no yeah you get you get like bioluminescent um creatures and like things Mm -hmm. that don't even resemble it's 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 mind-boggling there was this one video i remember watching last year um this person this scientist was talking about alien life and they were saying that the octopus would probably be the closest thing we have to alien life because it's this thing that is kind of like detached from the surface world but you give it like a jar with um food in it and this thing like figures out us like okay there's something in here or this thing can open and gets the food mm. out. Octopuses are just so cool in general. There are a lot of sea creatures that are cool, yeah. but the octopus for me stands out. They're just yeah. so cool. Very intelligent, very like well adapted for their environment. The fact that they can camouflage super easily. Yes. All these crazy adaptations. And they can even like regenerate like limbs when they lose it. It's just a totally like animal or something else like it, I think. Oh yeah. I still eat them though and stuff. <laughs> They're still tasty. Does it take from the yeah, fact I mean, that as long as it comes t- from a sustainable fishery? Like okay. <laughs> Have you seen manta rays in your ventures? I have not, but eventually one of these days I'll tr- probably try and get out to Hawaii like and um, and that dive, there's like the famous dive off Kona. We go night diving, manta ray. Hopefully, I can maybe get a chance to do that. They're beautiful creatures. Just they really are. Manta rays are so cool. They are. There's and there's a lot of. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going off internet. On, I'm going off internet knowledge. Like sometimes I'll have these. Um, nights i can't sleep so i'll just kind of wikipedia topic hop and the last one i was doing was uh manta rays like they don't really have um correct me if i'm wrong they don't really have a defense uh, mechanism uh, other than swimming away 
And when I when I read that, unless we're talking about stingrays, but manta rays kind of just it's like ah, uh, I just they just they swim away. It's the fact that you have this big thing that just swims in the ocean but just can't harm you. Kind of like it made me cry a little bit inside. And I'm like ah, oh, so so adorable. I like yeah. manta rays. It's kind of a common thing in the ocean. I'd say it's like a lot of organisms that don't have like defense mechanisms evolve to be very big so it's just the fact that they're so big that there's like very few predators that are like big enough to eat them that keeps them safe if that makes sense. i think like manta rays are an example of that whale sharks whales you know they're all like very big gentle giants they just filter food out of the water they're not predatory things that can like hurt humans but they also don't have defense mechanisms other than just being huge like what's gonna like kill like a freaking blue whale you know like what creature in the ocean would be able to do that like there really isn't because they're just so damn big and that's what keeps them kind of safe without having like a defense mechanism there's no jaw that can make a make a puncture in, in the big blue whale speaking yeah. of yeah yeah for sure predators um correct me if i'm wrong i was it was this year that i realized that the great white was not the apex predator of the sheet of of the sea but the no it is the go ahead killer whale i had no idea of all sea (laughs) creatures the orca that blew my mind yeah there there's nothing that can kill an orca other than human that's why people are always like orcas are op please please nerf you know (laughs) they really are something else the and and the yeah. thing too, like they're a mammal, too. With they're I know that's hard to like wrap your mind around. Oh, you good? No, oh, yeah. I'm just my brain is just processing. Like they are kind of scary looking too. Like they're all well, they're black with like this white spot, like above their eye, <laughs> kind of like a like mm-hmm. venom the symbiote and like with teeth and it's kind of like man i always actually <laughs> they are kind of scary yeah, now that i think about it like that no they totally are. i always thought like it looked like venom like ever since i was a kid they've kind of like scared me just that way that like that false like wide eye like i just think they're kind of scary looking even if i do think they're cool i still think they're scary <laughs> you know so one more reason why we should probably um excavate them from sea world just saying probably yeah. <laughs> when you hear that they're the apex predators like yeah we probably shouldn't tease them with with tricks and stuff at SeaWorld. probably yeah it's, i think they're doing away with it it's like very controversial these days and i don't think they're gonna be getting any more and the ones they have are the ones that they just have there and are still alive pretty sure bastards there's a whole documentary on it. I never watched it, but like tons of my friends who are into like you know, environmental activism and stuff, they were like telling me, "Hey, you should watch like Blackfish. It's on Netflix, and it's about like the orcas and stuff at SeaWorld and stuff." I just never really got around to it. I know it's a big issue, I, and there's like a lot of reasons why. I just don't know all the facts on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Blackfish Netflix. I'll check it out. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it's good. I've just never watched it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> something to watch. Heck yeah. Um, 
another just um we had a discussion a few days ago another thing that you mentioned um was your ventures in was it japanese culture that you were learning japanese oh, and you were yeah. the host of several japanese clubs yeah so it's really how did that start oh man um okay well to be honest like i've always been in the like into anime when i was like in high school Heck yeah. uh, like, my brother was in the anime club and he would just show me like all these animes and stuff they were watching and then i started like watching them with them and it just became kind of a bonding thing for us where we just you know watch anime and stuff and over time just like watching it i kind of like fell in love with the art style started learning how to draw it and just basically kept watching anime as i got older because it's just what me and my brother did as a kid so when I go to college, though, I just have that kind of interest, like in, you know, Japanese media, um, Japanese EDM, anime. Uh, I, I follow a lot of like just Japanese photographers, like on Instagram, because I really love the kind of style they like take their pictures in. So when I got to school, though, I go to school on the West Coast and there's a huge Asian American population there. Um... But basically how I got involved with all the cultural clubs on campus was mostly through like mutual connections, like friends who were in those clubs and they invited me to come. And I just was like, you know what, let's, let's go check it out. It could be fun. So my freshman year of college was like really fucking hard because I had a really hard time like finding like people I could trust, you know? Yeah. Finding people that I could like, you know, connect with and trust to be like my friends and stuff like that. And honestly, like that's why I say freshman year of college is the most lonely years of your life because you're surrounded by all these people but you still don't know all these people so it's like you're tr you're like so stressed trying to find people that you can like count on as your friends and stuff and it just like but you're also like surrounded by people doing all this like stuff at the same time you know what i mean oh but you yeah. still don't like know them well enough because you just haven't been there long enough but yeah so i kind of at the beginning of my freshman year i kind of went in and out of different friend groups like they were cool at first a month later did something really toxic and i had to kind of like walk away stuff like that but then i met this one girl and she's like still one of my best friends you know in college and probably in life like she's just like one of my best friends uh she was in this kind of friend group i started hanging out with her a lot and she's like hey you want to come hang out with like me and all my other homies and i was like yeah sure it'd be fun you know and when i got into that friend group like it doesn't really it didn't really mean anything to me but i guess to a lot of people from the outside it looked really weird but i was like in an all asian friend group like i was literally the only one who wasn't of asian like ethnic descent and like it never bothered me to me it just felt like i was hanging out with my friends like they're just the people that you know i hung out with and that i trusted and i loved for who they were and they loved me for who i was and yeah so I, they became like my friends and my friend group i still hang out with you know to this day but uh, a few of them, um, one of my friends, he invited me to go to my, like the very end of my freshman year. He invited me to go to, Japan, to the Japanese Student Association on campus. And I was like, my first answer to him was like, yeah, it sounds cool, but am I guy allowed to? Because, you know, I'm not like Asian or anything. He's like, yeah, man, yeah, like just come, come check it out. And I was like, okay, sure, let's check it out. So I go and then I kind of like start talking with the co-chair and some of the other people like on board who run the club. And they told me they were looking for like a PR, you know, next year uh, to, to help run the Instagram and do like all the graphic design for the, the for the Instagram and stuff, like promoting events. And since I knew how to use Photoshop and I had a background kind of in drawing and stuff like that, they thought I'd be a pretty good role for it. 
so over the summer, um, so summer starts, I do like my summer thing, go back, and then when the board nominations are happening, I give my presentation, um, I, like, I get nominated for it, and then I get voted to be on the board for the Japanese Cultural Association, doing the Instagram work, doing making the flyers for events, and then also just helping with like events that we were uh, hosting and stuff like that. So fast forward to now, it's summer after my sophomore year. Um, yeah, I'm just, I just basically, all those cultural clubs, like it's kind of like this center on campus where there's like different cultural clubs for different cultures. And I just kind of started hanging around there and I had a lot of friends who would hang around there and friends that introduced me to there. And then I started making friends just around in those clubs. So basically it just kind of became my home away from home, you know, all the Asian I like that. On campus, that's just where I feel. That's just where I feel like accepted, and where I feel like normal, and where I feel like comfortable. You know, being so far away from home. I mean, I go to school like halfway across the United States. Home yeah. away from home. <laughs> I I like that. Yeah, but I guess being in the cultural clubs, just like and being around like people like of another culture and stuff, just got me really interested in wanting to learn more about East Asian culture. And specifically Japanese culture, I joined the Japanese one because I wanted to know more about the media, like the, the culture that was producing the media that I like fell in love with as a kid and continue to like consume to this day, you know. So that was really, so that's pretty cool just being able to learn about Japanese culture by taking Japanese classes, taking language classes, and then just literally just talking to other Japanese Americans about like, you know, cultural stuff and things like that. Let me ask you something. Do you find um, that you've inherited uh, any habits from being around um, these groups, around uh, these clubs? Uh, like bad habits? Well, not or necessarily just, bad like, habits, but kind of like, uh, <laughs> like maybe because my brother was an RA for, a, for a school. And one thing that he inherited okay, yeah. was um, he would he bought himself a tea set, um, kind of boils his water on the stove, and he doesn't eat yeah, instant yeah. rice. Huh. Yeah. I mean, he, I guess it's like a few things I started like doing a bit differently. Um, okay. I mean, for instance, like it's just a kind of habit to take my shoes off at the door these days because like whenever I went over to like um friends houses or like friends apartments and stuff they always wanted me to take my shoes off and apparently i read about it and apparently that's kind of like a thing in a lot of asian communities in the u.s it's kind of a, like a cultural thing for a lot of those families to where you're supposed to take your shoes off at the door so i kind of just like started randomly doing that even when i went back home my parents would be like why are you doing that i'm like oh it's just like habit you know <laughs> so that's kind of like a habit i developed very small but just kind of funny like you know i started doing that i'm probably like the polar opposite sometimes i like step with my shoes into my own room i probably not the oh. best option but yeah, yeah i do too because <laughs> at least i did until i was like forced to change because they were like take your shoes off i'm like all right all right fine. you know because <laughs> i'd always forget they're like you can take your shoes off I'm like oh shit my bad like you know so i just over time it just i just, just came to like muscle memory i just always take my shoes off going to the door <laughs> Do you have any, uh, do you have any, are you a fan of, uh, Japanese cuisine? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've been learning how to, I guess, cook a lot of it because we do a lot of events with, like, food and stuff. Learning how to make yaki soba and onigiri, uh, you know, just curry, chicken katsu, ramen. We just make stuff for, like, cultural events, so I have to help with the cooking, and I learned to make Japanese recipes while doing it. Gosh, you're making me hungry now. Damn. <laughs> onigiri is fun to make. I made it yeah. one time. But the stuff you can do with onigiri, like the the fillings, you could really add anything be- from like a sweet paste jelly to like um, protein, animal protein. It's it's really fun. Like, to yeah, make. you can literally stick anything into them. Yeah, I start just making them all the time. Like I just got to where like I kind of crave them. Like it's just a way to get a bunch of carbs in for like working out in like the compact ball, you know. So that's kind of what I liked about it. But I got really hooked on that that rice seasoning you put on there, the the furikake seasoning, and I would just like basically eat those like every day because they were easy to make in my dorm. I had my rice cooker and just make like you know rice balls with like the the rice seasoning on there. <laughs> just taking a class for like lunch and stuff because they're portable so I, I started eating those like a lot in college and also eating like just curry like almost every night because it's super easy to sell it at the school like market you know there's a lot of Japanese like Japanese recipes I started just making because it was convenient and it was good and stuff like that <laughs> it, it's there are many cuisines that um look as good as they taste and Japanese is definitely a uh, part of that list I, they they mm-hmm. like yeah. a lot of the foods like they look so distinct they look so interesting and they taste about as good as they look so it's a Japanese cuisine I'm a, I'm a big fan of I, yeah especially the rolls and the bowls of ramen like I love Oh yeah, ramen's great, yeah. (laughs) So good. Okay, what would be... We're making ramen. What are the best ingredients for you that you would put into your bowl of ramen? I actually don't know, because I've never actually made ramen from scratch. I've just gone to like ramen bars and stuff with like friends. Go out, there's so much good like ramen bars for school. Um, I don't really know how to make it. But I can tell you what like, I like to get in mind and stuff like that. <laughs> what do you usually add? I'm I'm kind of like the oddball. I like like <laughs> I'm vegetarian, so I kind of by default kind of go got to go with tofu and whatever green items yeah are around. That's that's the downside. I respect that though. I, hel- I go ahead. I'm listening. Sorry, I hella respect anyone's a vegetarian. Honestly, like I'm not. But like one of these days, I kind of want to be just because it's so much better for the environment. So anyone who does that, I say kudos to you, man. That's that's really cool. <laughs> like I think that's really honorable in a way. But meat still smells good though, and it looks good too. Yeah, I like, eat meat because I just haven't like broken away from it. Just I've always eaten meat, you know. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm I, I'm born and raised in Texas, so the smokehouse is a big part of the culture. So. Oh my god! It, oh yeah, I, I know that. I'm born and raised Texas dude. <laughs> we love our barbecue, you know. <laughs> yes, that is one thing that will never leave us. And to anyone who says no. like you're Texan and don't like barbecue, get out. I kid. <laughs> I joke. I know barbecue is just such a big part of Texas culture. Honestly, 
I think there'd be several nights from high school oh, where go ahead. I think you were gonna say something. Oh, but about the ramen, yeah, I guess. I usually get like pork belly. Ah uh, all that in there. That's kinda what I like to get. I miss pork belly. Damn. Looks so good too. <laughs> have you been to Japan? I have not, actually, but one of these days I definitely do want to go, but I want just considering I just started learning the language, like I'm only like two months in. I don't really do it like consistently because I've been really busy with my class and work. But in Japanese also, if you don't, it's not a Western-based language, not a Latin-based language for Spanish, so it just takes a lot longer to learn if you're, like, Western, if you're from the West and speak Western languages, you know. So it's probably just going to take me, like, six years to learn the language, honestly, if I actually keep up with it. But I'm, I probably will just simply because I just have a lot of reasons as to why I want to. Of course. But I don't really want to go to Japan until I can at least speak a little bit of Japanese and, like, converse with people and have confidence that I can actually, like, talk to people and get around in Jap speaking Japanese, you know? So I think that just make my experience, like, visiting there, like, a lot more fun if I could actually, like, meet with people. Did you get into uh, writing uh, the katakana uh, part of writing? Writing Japanese? Oh, the, the three different scripts, like yeah. katakana, hiragana, kanji? Yeah. Yeah, Um, I've memorized all the basic kanji and all the basic... I'm, no, I memorized all the basic hiragana and all the basic katakana symbols, but I'm still working on learning kanji and learning uh, the hiragana and katakana symbols, like a little apostrophe that have like three letters rather than two letters, stuff like that. So I'm still working on memorizing characters. Um, but I, I, I know a good amount of like just the basic hiragana and katakana like scripts. Man, nice. Keep working on it. You got it. I believe in you. The furthest I was able to get into, <laughs> yeah. I was only able to nail down the katakana. That's the extent of my uh, Japanese knowledge. So the fact that you're already yeah. learning kanji, you're definitely, you definitely have some momentum. I think you're gonna do great. I mean, not really. Like I, I just when I come across a new kanji, I'll like add it to like my Google Doc when I'm doing lessons and stuff. Just on my computer. Like I said, I haven't really been doing it recently. I can't really speak many Japanese phrases and stuff because I've just been doing months. But it is something I enjoy and definitely start picking up a bit more when I get back to school and I'm around like Japanese classes and plenty of Japanese tutors in the Bay Area, stuff like that. Heck yeah. Well, Mizu, um, I really enjoyed um, the time in having this discussion, your ventures, your background, and um, I look forward to seeing and following your adventures uh, wherever that may be. And I think yeah. you're gonna do awesome. It's gonna totally, be yeah. great. It's so cool that I met you, man. Just hopping onto a random world, um, <laughs> hang out. We'll definitely hang out again. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, thank you again. Um, did you wanna? Do we already do the plug for where we can reach you on the social on the on, to see your art and stuff? Oh, um, I can send you it over Discord. Okay. And I guess you can put that like in the description or whatever. But the Instagram is at Aki E Music or something like that. I forgot exactly what the username is, but it's and it's kind of like a Japanese word. So it's kind of like interesting. It's kind of like hard to like sound it out and 
be able to spell it, you know. Oh, no, you're good. But uh, yeah, I can definitely just like send it to you and, and stuff like that if you're curious. Link in the description. Heck yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the podcast. Thank you, everyone. And we'll see you next time. Mizu, thank you again for your time. Yeah, thank you. This was, this was really fun. <laughs>